calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. If you want legendary service, if you, you want, want sweeter discounts, shop under limit and share see what it's all about. Get a quote and save by bundling auto and home with insurance. Hey everyone, this is John Rocco, one third of the Geek Buddies with this awesome ad for you. If you like this show and you want to make your own and some of you have reached out and asked us about making your own podcast, well let me tell you about Anchor. It's free. There's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. And now you can even add any song from Spotify directly to your episodes. The possibilities are endless for what you can create, whether it's music analysis, your own radio show, or something the world's never heard before. Go ahead and let your freak flag fly. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and so many more places. And you can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Take it from us here at the Geek Buddies. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Now, on with the Geek Buddies show. Everybody, welcome to another brand new episode, spoiler review episode here for Ms. Marvel from the Geek <laughs> Buddies. <gasps> hey! Hey! Yeah, that's a good one. We we're, were on point there. Well, we're back at it this week to talk about episode four, Seeing Red, which is what I saw when Michael Vogel said he couldn't be on the review today. But hey, you know, that's how it goes sometimes. You're an executive producer of a show. It, it, talent is talent. You got to let talent be talent. But 
Shannon McClung and I are here to uh, hold the fort down and talk about this episode four, where we go to Karachi, Pakistan. We get a little more uh, of the history of the Bengal. We get a little bit more of her connection with her grandmother. We get to spend some time with Nani. Muniba and Nani having some issues. We get a window into that. She meets some new cousins. And she finds a new ally in this war against the clandestine. Uh, and this is just, this was a, this, there's a lot that, that we're going to talk about for sure uh, as we get into this episode and have our thoughts. But let's introduce ourselves. I am the outlaw, John Roca, writer, producer, and host here on the Geek Buddies in the Outlaw Nation. Shannon? And this is Shannon McClung. I'm a television actor and an animation writer where the second season of Strawberry Shortcake, Barry in the Big City, is now. Uh, up uh, is being released on YouTube, and the most recent episode was one of mine. So oh. it was one that I was uh, uh, it was truly a team effort. I had this idea that I was shocked that Michael Vogel went for, yeah. And then once it got written, executives had thoughts, more stuff came in. <laughs> but ultimately, I think what uh, what debuted, I think, was really really good. That's awesome. A challenging episode that it ha- that required multiple levels of people to approve it. That's a good thing. That means you're 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 you know you're 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 thinking outside the box. I would imagine that is a good thing overall. So I'm well, just gonna well and again, the that. difficulties were way after I was done. Vogel was like, "Hey, by the way, <laughs> I'll let you great know idea of yours. go through <laughs> with this four minute short." Yes. Yeah, so. Anyway, uh, yeah. So that's good to hear for sure. And uh, of course, uh, Michael does is not here with us uh, this time around. He's, he's off traveling, but he will be back next week for sure for the main show in this uh, and then episode five review for Ms. Marvel. Uh, and uh, of course we'll get, we're preparing for a lot of things that are coming up here in the next few weeks. That's going to be a lot of fun for us to be covering here on the geek buddies. Uh, but uh, we wouldn't be able to do half of what we do without the support of you all and the support of carbon health. That's right. Carbon health still powering and sponsoring the geek buddies. Thank you so much. They we're going into our eighth month of sponsorship from carbon health. So we can't thank them enough. And if you, have not heard if you're first time watching this review, Carbon Health is a great place to go get your healthcare questions and concerns and needs addressed and met. They have 125 locations nationwide, 80 plus locations in California alone. They offer urgent care at all their locations. They got COVID testing. They've got uh, uh, pickup. You can pick up antigen testing kits there in the clinic as well. They think great healthcare should always be convenient and accessible to everybody. They love to hang out with us and support us here because they, they think you all deserve a healthcare provider who is an active partner in supporting you in your efforts. And as I said, 100 plus locations across 14 states, 50 plus locations in California alone. And they continue to partner with us because Carbon Health genuinely cares about positive communities who engage with each other over the love of culture and expressions of life. And certainly, Shannon, this episode was an explosion of culture and expressions of life here in this uh, Seeing Red episode. Let's jump into it. This is a spoiler review, so final spoiler warning here. If you haven't seen it, go watch it. Come on back. Thoughts on this episode four here as we get, uh, I think we're past the halfway point, as we have two more episodes left here Ms. Marvel. Yeah, you know, this one was a little bit more of a challenge for me, and it wasn't okay. so much... Um, what was being presented it was how it was being presented i think there were i think there were some um editorial choices that i was not the biggest fan of there's one performance in particular from a new character who i'm like Mm -hmm. ah this this guy's just not this guy's not doing it for me um but some of the auditions that we got um that we'll go into uh two of the auditions i really really liked and one of them i'm uh, i'm disappointed that we more than likely won't be seeing anymore but overall 
even though this one did not have the strength of episodes one, two, and three for me, I'm still very much on board with this show. Yeah. I'm really, really enjoying it. Um, Iman Vellani is still doing such great work. And I love where the episode ended. I, mm-hmm. It, it mm-hmm. really ended on a high for me. Cause I'm like, I'm so curious to see what this, uh, what the, what that sequence is going to lead us to in yeah. the next episode. Certainly a powerful moment to end, um, you know, just standing on top of that train, looking over everything that is happening in the partition and the um, just the pain and the sadness and the general uh, madness of it all. Uh, uh, just, what a brilliant decision to pull back and show it all so you can absolutely feel what uh, um, Kamala is feeling in this situation. So, um, yeah, I, I, I think this episode lacked a little bit of oomph, but, I you know, it's, it's dare I say this in a six episode miniseries it's a little bit of a filler episode uh but we were getting information that we needed to get we do have kamala learning how to use her powers a little bit more we do have her under getting a fabric that's going to give going to play into the overall costume as we go into these last two episodes we do get a little bit more of the culture certainly of karachi and and showing what is there in pakistan and seeing um you know the, the view of the city from this point of view here with the MCU. So I really enjoyed that, the deep dive into the culture and all of that. I just felt some of it, some of the rhythm and the patterns were a bit disjointed and we jumped from one thing to another to another. And I know some, we've been saying, you got to look at this through a little bit of a young adult eyes. I get that, but I think a little more depth, a little more explanation on things to, to ground them into the overall narrative you're telling of the series would have helped out to to help this episode be just as powerful as the other three episodes have been for sure. And you're right, Imam Balani, fantastic in this episode uh, overall, uh, kind of writing out all the things that are happening with her grandmother, with her mom, with her cousins, uh, with her new uh, a guy, Kareem, there from the Red Dagger, Walid, and everything that happens when the clandestine shows up for sure. So uh, let's jump into this thing here. Let's talk about it. I mean, Kamala, Kamala and Maniva are on a plane heading to Pakistan here. Uh, uh, bickering between each other. Nakia is not responding over text. So we have no Nakia or Bruno in this episode, other than uh, the idea of them uh, is kind of, uh, Nakia certainly mentioned here, waiting on a text message for her. So she's, it's not coming. So she's basically alone. Her and her mom heading here because Nani has requested it. They show up. They're picked up by two of their cousins, Zainab and Oaz. I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, Nani comes up and they hug. Muniba and Nani hug as well. And you can and she goes right on in as uh, some daughters will tell you about their mothers. She goes right on in going, oh, your skin's getting a little uh, dry there. Is this one of your crazy diets and blah, blah, blah. So already we can tell these kind of um, divisions here between mom and daughter, which will mirror later, I imagine, what will happen between Muniba and Ms. Marvel. They arrive at a gated house, which is where Nani lives here. She, she sees Magnum, which is Nani's dog. Kamala walks in a room full of heirlooms and art and drawing and clippings. And she's a picture of her grandfather and Aisha, her great-grandmother. Uh, uh, Kamala brings out the bangle and wants to know why Nani sent it to her. She discusses very casually about being a jinn, does uh, uh, Nani. And Kamala confirms the train that the bangle is trying to tell her something. When you have lived and lost like I have, you learn to find beauty in the pieces. So already, so this is a, this is Shannon right off the bat. And this first section is about exploring. She wants answers and Nani seems to have the answers, but she's so casual about it. And this is a nice clash of cultures, I think, because nowadays everybody moves so fast. Yes, we used to move fast in the old days. But certainly nowadays, even more so, the demands on our time, the demands on our attention with social media, TV, everything going on, politics, whatever, 
the demands on our time is a lot. Whereas people who are a little bit older have been through the wars of everything, through the wars of life, and they're a little more relaxed about stuff. So I thought it was a nice clash of cultures here. And we're going to find out how, uh, how her two cousins, ha- well, at least uh, uh, one of them has an issue with how she sees herself as a Pakistani-American. So uh, what did you think about this opening, kind of laying the groundwork a little bit of what we're getting here in these class of cult- clash of cultures as she seeks more information about the bank? I mean, the strong, the strongest part of this episode or of, of the series really has been uh, Kamala's relationship with her family. Yeah, and absolutely. that's that's a telltale sign of a really good story, especially a superhero story, because generally yeah. in superheroes like, well, I get the costume on. We want to see a fight. Um, but the fact <laughs> that we are just as invested, just as invested, if not more invested when she's hanging out with her mom, when she's hanging out with her brother, when she's hanging out with her father and now with her grandmother. I mean, really, really nice stuff between Kamala and her grandmother. And then later in the episode, we get some really great stuff between uh, Muniba and Sana as well. Um, I I liked the, the, (laughs) my my wife and I were watching it and she was like, really, they got there in the middle of the night. Just the cousins (laughs) got there to say hi and say hello. I'm like, Hey man, that's, that's not, you know, that's not, what that's not an american thing but but clearly that's something that other people across the world will do because if you you know if you have family that lives literally on the other side of the globe like you want to take every opportunity to see them even though you can tell like yeah they're cousins but just because you're family doesn't mean you really like each other right right a long time yeah which they make a comment about when they see each other for sure and I mean, I again, the the uh, actress playing Sana, who is yeah. uh, Samina Ahmed, who I thought was really like just this nice grounding yeah. presence. I mean, she's like you can tell like this is Muniba's mom, right? Because when they talk about, oh, I mean, we, no, I'll talk about this when we get to it. But just you can see the similarities between the, the women in this family, yeah, and um something else where she was talking about like to me this was just genetics mm-hmm. you know and you talk about people this is literally a story about someone who's in between two worlds yeah it's in between sort of like being an american youth but having a pac- uh, pakistani upbringing pakistani parents you yeah. have uh, this super powered this super powered side of you but you still want to hold on to the normal side of you i mean that's that's what the right the writing in the show is really really good Agreed. Agreed. And, you know, this is uh, based on uh, an a, a, a issue of the comic. I think it's number 12 from Ms. Marvel, where she does go to Karachi, Pakistan. And it's interesting you bring up the idea of being between two worlds, because what she says in the comics there is she's too Pakistani when she's in America and she's too American when she's in Pakistan. So there is that kind of idea of being between two worlds. So mirrored in her own life already. And now with the bangle, we find out a little bit later in the episode. There are also two different uh, 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 existences slamming into each other as well, where she's part of each of them. And where where does she belong is where we're going to actually, I imagine, figure out, which is funny because Nani later, later in the episode says, I'm still trying to figure out who I am, which I think is a really nice moment in the episode. So Kamala falls asleep, dreams of the train, and there's all these images that come through in the dream. The cousins come in. They want to go to lunch. They head to this high-end club for lunch. Unfortunately, Kamala wears jeans because she was not told that she can't wear jeans. But that's kind of a jerk move by the cousins to not let her know not to wear jeans before they head on out to the club there. Uh, Ruxana comes in. Oh, I don't know who she is or what role she's going to play, but she seems to be an old friend of Muniba's there. Uh, we see scenes of Karachi as they take a tour with the cousins. We hear about Old Town, which is where many of the refugees settled in when they came from India. So certainly partition becomes a huge thing 
Shannon, uh, even bigger rather, in this episode. We, we It's certainly referenced here, her being in Pakistan, the conversations about it, her cousins are aware of it. Um, but then one of her cousins, uh, I think it's Onays, calls her, Always rather, says that, uh, calls her an ABCD, which is an American-born confused Desi. Now, let me tell you something about being in a culture. And Shannon, maybe you've had a, a little bit of this as well, but as a Latino, you do when you go visit other Latino countries and you're an American Latino, there's always those Latinos that are going to take these little shots at you because you're an American Latino. You're, you're seen as lesser than. That fo- and that effing happens. And so just letting you know, it's not just in this culture, but a number of cultures when you go and visit overseas. I'm sure Africans, when black people come over from America, a- Africans are like, oh, yeah, you're you're American black. I'm sure that happens. So that's just kind of part of the culture thing. So um, that's that was a nice little element to throw in here to kind of allude to the comic that this is based on, but also uh, uh, pinpoint the fact that she's made to feel out of place no matter where she goes because of her heritage rather than appreciated for it. She wants to go to the train station. They want to go grab coffee. She gets the directions, I guess, from a photographer there. And for those of you who are Easter egg people, there's a um, QR code there. And the QR code, when you clip on when you scan it, sends you to the uh, issue of Ms. Marvel that this was loosely based on this episode. So I think it's number 12. Um, anyway, we, we see uh, a, she gets to the train station. She's walking around. She sees the sign that says everybody's under observation. So she puts on her mask that Bruno made for her, which really just cover, barely covers her eyes. So I don't know how that's going to uh, keep her from being caught. Then uh, she sees a mural, which I think is a really interesting point here or interesting moment here, Shannon. She sees a mural of Scott Lang's Ant-Man. So are we, we've been teased Ant-Man throughout this series. Is he going to show up at some point in this series? I wonder, is she going to be a part of, is she going to be on an episode of his podcast? Like, I just got a lot of questions here. And the other side of this, I hope to God someone at Marvel is working on a podcast with Paul Rudd as Ant-Man doing episodes. (laughs) That is printing money. People will absolutely listen to Paul Rudd as Scott Lang talking about what happened at, in Infinity War and Endgame, for sure. Uh, anyway, um, she sees the mural celebrated in the comment there, says, you can start small and still be larger than life, uh, which which pays homage to Adrian Alfona, who is, a, who is a celebrated artist in Marvel Comics there. And then suddenly a knife hits the wall. She's attacked. She battles with this guy in a red kind of scarf. Um, they talk, they, he talks about, he reels some information about Aisha, that she, and we hear that she's not a clandestine, but this guy sends to Noor, and then takes her uh, into this layer of the red dagger. So let's just stop there. So what do you think about this whole thing with her cousins? What do you think about her wanting to find out more about Karachi? What do you think about her getting to the train station? Seeing what do you think the significance of the mural is? And then what did you think about the action sequence and the action fight here between her and uh, what we're going to find out is Kareem? Well, starting back with her cousins waking yeah. her up and, you know, they were kind of giving her, or, uh, always was kind of giving her some grief about the the sloth, the stuffed sloth yeah, yeah, that yeah. she sleeps with. I also had the same thought. I'm just kind of like, well, you guys saw how she was dressed. Why wouldn't you tell her about yeah. the dress code? Family, man. Family can be <laughs> But then the, 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 when Roxana, Auntie Roxana shows yeah. up and you find out that Kamala is not a pakistani name yeah, and that nice. muniba was always a little bit of a rebel and this mm. is not you know this is not the character that we've met in yeah. in the u.s but you get to you get a little bit of uh uh muniba's past and yeah. you know we'll, we'll delve into that later but you start to see how kamala really is the her mother's daughter yeah um i did think it was funny as they're kind of uh walking around karachi 
and her cousins are kind of like, well, we're out. Yeah, peace. So, Again, we'll, family, man. Yeah, We'll come see you at four in the morning to say hi, but if you don't <laughs> want to do what we want to do, we're going to leave. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was funny, as you were talking about the QR code, the thing that you know stuck out to me was when the uh, guy with the Polaroid camera, the one yeah. vendor, when he's like, hey, it's only 1,500 rupees, and I'm like, Whatever that exchange rate is, you, it's over seven dollars. Seven dollars oh, for a Polaroid. So I'm kind of like, all right, it's not highway <laughs> robbery, but it's real close. <laughs> but then you know, her arriving at the train station, yeah. and again, again, having not read the comics, like I don't know how much they lean into the whole partition side of the story yeah. that we're getting in this, but you just get these hints of the past, you know, these yeah. shadows of the past talking about how some of the oldest residents of Karachi live here because this is where they came from. This is where they arrived when they came from Pakistan right, right. or Pakistan. And um, it's just really, this is the type of thing that we were talking about before. Like this yeah. is a world that's just, it's breathing so much life into the show. Yeah. And the moment that she is like, I had the same Ant-Man thought. I mean, I don't necessarily think he's showing up and right. I, I don't think he's showing up and, and I don't think he's going to show up in the Marvels. I think there's a strong possibility she could show up in quantum mania oh, because yeah. with Cassie Lang, who's sure. going to become stature right. with the young Avengers and granted in the books, Miss Marvel's not a young Avenger, but the MCU does take liberties. And it's like, yeah. all right, who are, who are our young heroes who could be the young Avengers and Miss Marvel would certainly fit the bill. Um, the actual fight I thought was fun. I mean, I like okay. to watch her use her user powers. Um, the actor playing Red Dagger, Aramis yeah. Knight, who I've not, I know he was in Into the Badlands. I'm, I'm not familiar with his work. I'm at the end of this episode. I'm not really jiving with him too much. I'm like, okay. I don't, there's something about this actor that is just not, it's just, it's just a little hollow for me. Okay. Um, especially the come with me if you want to live. Like I get like in the writing, that was yeah. probably really funny. Yeah. Um, but it, I don't feel like the, the, the beat landed. Yeah. Um, and then as they kind of make their way to the headquarters, that's where we're going next, right? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And, and look, I, I, I agree. I think what was great about the episode is getting to see um, this uh, Karachi through the eyes of the lens of the filmmakers of this or the directors of this particular episode. Uh, I liked that. And I really enjoyed seeing the clashing yet again of the extremely poor versus the extremely rich, right? She goes, from one right to the next thing, right? You see, being at that club where everyone's like dressed up, she can't even go in wearing jeans. Where jeans is probably dressed up to go to a place where they were at there in the uh, streets of Karachi just a few, a few, a few seconds later in the episode. So you're seeing that kind of once again this clash of two worlds are kind of just subtly working on you, and I think it's kind of brilliant. And also, what you bring up the idea of uh, hearing about Muniba being a bit of a rebel, as you said earlier, which I thought was pretty astute. This idea that the, there's a there's a connection between the women in her family and uh, Kamala's in, uh, uh, family, right? And so you're seeing that here play out and we'll find out later you know where Muniba has issues with Sana's stories and fantastical tales that those were the things that kind of caused her yet here's Muniba being a rebel so you know you, it, there's a intrinsic nature in this desire to look for more or step out of the box in all the women in uh, Kamala's family so you know uh, I think that's a good thing to be honest with you um, all right let's move on here uh, we get uh, we go into the back of the restaurant here where uh, uh, Kareem is leading her and it's the lair of the red dagger and in the comics the red dagger is a vigilante uh, uh, is a person is one person 
is a vigilante operating in Karachi who crosses paths with Kamala during her visit there. Um, and Kareem later took part in a student exchange program and headed to New Jersey. But it's very different from the comics, uh, the, their version of Red Dagger, or the MCU's version of the Red Dagger here. Um, and they Because in this version, they're essentially what you find out here when we go into the lair. By the way, the lair is pretty awesome. Essentially a bat cave. I saw someone's call it a bat cave, which I thought was brilliant. Uh, essentially, this lair is a place for the Red Dagger to uh, Red Daggers, the organization to be, to train, to scope out and find out where the clandestine are. And apparently they've been doing this for centuries. And remember, um, we only heard from uh, was it Najma that the clandestine have only been around for a century, that their version of them. So is this has this organization been around for uh, a while now? How how far back does it go? And this is very interesting that I thought when we when we saw that. Anyway, uh, we reveal, and then Walid Walid comes in, who essentially seems to be a leader of the Red Daggers. We get a history of them, that their job is to protect their people from the threats of the unseen. Uh, and the clandestine, we find out, are different from the Jinn. They're from another realm. And then he shows her the map, uh, how their dimension and our dimension can coexist. I'm sure Shannon got a kick out of that. Uh, and brings up a 3D structure out of the floor, and we hear about many dimensions and we see Aisha's home, which is connected but hidden behind a veil of Noor that separates the worlds. Noor is the energy of the realm, kind of like vibranium in Wakanda, where the veil, the clandestines, all are connected to the Noor there. Uh, and if they use the bangle, which she was about to do last episode against Bruno's uh, better advice, uh, it could have torn down the wall between the two worlds and essentially destroyed their world uh, in favor of the clandestine world. Um, and Walid makes a point to separate Aisha from the clandestine, right? She avoids them. And so maybe Aisha is an entity from the Nord dimension uh, that is different. So, and then Walid sees the inscription on the bangle said he's never seen an inscription or heard about an inscription on the bangle. And it basically says, what you seek is seeking you. So a lot here in this information dump, uh, essentially, uh, in this scene, Shannon, what do you take away from Walid, Kareem, the conversation about the Red Dagger, and the separation of dimensions, and also the cool little gadgets they got there to show you the separation of the dimensions? Yeah, this stuff is right up my alley. I mean, yeah, I, I, again, I knew it. <laughs> again, not being overly familiar with the Red Dagger character, like I knew he was from the books, um, right. but I think taking taking that and expanding it, making it uh making it a mantle making it an entire you know secret society of uh, karachi protectors i mm. think that's so i think that's so smart and it really in terms of whatever the future is going to be for the miss marvel franchise yeah. whether it is more disney plus series whether it's more movies or or it's going to be or it's going to be movies uh, I, I think having having a character having a society like that with her yeah. to, to kind of be able to uh, keep in touch with. I think that's a really smart. That's a, that's an asset that you want to use down the line. Um, did you get? Did you get a sense of the? Was it Knights Templar from Crusade? Last Crusade? Did you get a sense of that? Oh sure. Right, because they sat. They were created to protect the. Um, the, was it the R of uh, the cup? The protect the cup. Yeah, of the Grail. The Grail. The grail. Right, the whole grail. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. And and I got the sense that it wasn't just like they obviously are monitoring. Uh, the clandestines yeah but th they do more than that like yeah. again i the way i took it is like these are the protectors of karachi 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're not going to necessarily protect you from vendors who are going to take advantage of you if you're, you know, you're a tourist. But... <laughs> no, because you can see those. It's for the sights unseen. <laughs> it's, yeah, yeah, for the unseen. Um, the actor who played Wally, oh. uh, I think it's Farhan Akhtar. Yeah. Um, he's one of those guys that, like, as soon as he entered the screen, it's like, this guy's like Tony Leung to me. I mean, he, there's oh, a wow. magnetism. And yeah. then looking him up, it's like, oh, this guy's a huge, huge star right. in Bollywood. Like he's a bit, he's a big producer. He's he's an actor. Like he's a he's a multi hyphenate. Yeah. So the fact that um, he's just one of those guys that they, he's one of those performers that has this incredible screen presence that you step they step on and you can't not watch them. Yeah. And I think the the um, challenge with an exposition dump is it can feel like an exposition dump. be like, all right, here's all the stuff you need to know for later. But if you have a really talented performer um, delivering that information in sort of a, a, you know, an interesting way that makes it not feel like that. And it's, it's the same way, like, like thinking like Adam McKay and the big short, like the way that they are able to impart that stuff that you need to know for the story, but you do it in an interesting way. They kind of sneak it in and you can do it with clever filmmaking, or you can do it with a really, really electric performer. And that's what they did with this. I mean, and, you know, getting to see how, again, it's that stuck between there. Kamala is literally stuck between two worlds, our world and the Nor world. And also the idea that one world is going to take over another. Yeah. That seems to be the, that seems to be the theme of phase four in yeah. uh, like thinking about multiverse of madness with incursions. Uh, if secret war is going to be the big event that they're leading up to. Yeah. So all this stuff I, I super enjoyed, even though like, <laughs> again, Aramis Knight and, and Kamala's back and forth about, you know, is that scarf long enough to, you know, yeah, yeah. cover your big mouth? I mean, that was kind of like, I don't care about this. <laughs> I want to <laughs> tell me more history. I want to hear more history. I yeah, mean, I mean, even... yeah, go ahead. So, Sorry, even... go ahead. Go ahead. No, 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 go ahead. Go ahead. Even. Well, I was going to say, and even the uh, when he was talking about the the whole idea of the djinn and yeah. had Thor dropped in the Himalayas, right. they would have called him a djinn. Like, it's really, really interesting. And not knowing that much about it, yeah. um, it, it's it's really, again, it was just a really, really well done sequ- sequence that I wish Aramis Knight hadn't talked during. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's delineations <laughs> happening. That's, that's what you're seeing, right? The uh, djinn um the uh, clandestine these are two different things possibly right and thor being called a gin but it's not the same kind of thing so there's there's certainly distinctions uh, being laid out here by walid and also talking about the noor and that the power of the noor remember the, when the red dagger sees her when cream sees her it's because he senses her noor so clearly there's something he's been trained to sense trained to find out and he's been tracking her from the streets of karachi to that confrontation there uh at the train station so there is stuff here that is uh, connectable, interesting to explore from that side of things. But you're right. The exposition, exposition could have been done um, uh, so clumsily and could have been done so overtly that it wouldn't have carried the same power and would have felt it would have taken you out of the episode. But I think uh, the actor who does play while he does such an incredible job uh, laying the groundwork of all of this to get you to understand what is happening and to get you to really understand what a bullet she dodged last episode by not going forward with using the bangle because clearly she was being lied to there uh by najma so and speaking of najma let's move on here the uh there there we go to the uh, department of damage control they've got a supermax prison apparently uh i guess the raft's not in use anymore the clandestine are there and they stage an escape uh najma and the rest of the crew escapes but she leaves her son behind 
because she says he took a choice. He made his choice. And so he's no longer part of their crew. Now, I don't know if she's doing that to kind of reaffirm how much of a villain she is or if she or if she's doing that because she's hurt or if she's done because she knows if they die, he's got to at least stay a lot. So, you know, he's a villain in the comics. So I wonder how they're going to make this all work. And it seems to be they're laying the groundwork for Najma to uh, and the clandestine because we do see some of them die to be killed off, in essence, in interactions with Ms. Marvel. So I wonder if that's what's going to end up leading to uh, the villainy there. Uh, anyway, uh, we go to uh, Kamala finds uh, Nani upstairs. Nani talks about the confusion of self. As I was mentioning earlier, her passport is Pakistani, but her roots are Indian. Uh, she talks about a border of blood and pain, claiming their identity was based off some idea some old Englishman had as they were fleeing the country. It's That's a very simplistic approach to this, but also one that's not factually incorrect. And I think there's a real interesting conversation to be had about, hey, just because there's a line in the sand does not all of a sudden make us enemies. Why? Why? Because someone in it, someone years and centuries ago or decades ago drew a line in the sand. We're supposed to hate each other. You know, there's there's I think there's a real powerful message being uh, conveyed there about tearing down walls, seeing as us as more of a global society. And so there are people who don't want to have that and certainly that's something that a lot of countries are struggling with nowadays this idea of the ones that want to stay just caring about their country and the ones that understand that a global economy global connective tissue is actually important and does help us in the long run so we're seeing that in the in this conversation i think is really cool uh and we see kareem invite uh, kamala out to a cookout uh i'm sure shannon didn't like this interaction between them but there's some more interaction we see faizan singing urdu and then uh, we go back to the house and muniba is cleaning up around nani uh because nani was up in the uh, top of the house because uh, muniba was cleaning earlier in that scene with kamala complaining about all the mess they argue about nani's theories and the effect they had on muniba's life growing up kamala walks in later after that conversation we don't hear any more about that conversation as muniba is rubbing uh sana's leg there we don't hear any, hear any more of that conversation. Kamala walks in to see her mom eat at the uh, kitchen table there eating toffee, which is something that Sana said uh, uh, Muniba loved uh, in days past, which is why she has all those toffee boxes there. So, Shannon, real quick, let's stop here because we're going to get into the big ending sequence here. But, like, um, this is, as you said, the strength of the show is the relationships with the family, right? We see Kamala's relationship with, with uh, Sana, with Nani here, really establishing even more powerfully Throughout this episode, their connection is being established more powerfully. And I love seeing that the conversations, she's letting her in on this world, on this point of view. She's a young girl. Remember this. She's still a young teenager. She's still trying to figure out her life, let alone figuring out how to be a hero. And, oh, she just got told if she uses this bangle, she's going to essentially doom her world and everyone she loves to to death or possibly to the will of the clandestine. And she almost did that. So it's just it's a lot of an origin story to dump on a very young, um, a young hero, you know, a young person. So the interactions with, uh, with Santa are really powerful. And then we get a window, as we said earlier, into Sana being someone who's telling these stories and these theories, remember led by the stars and all of that. There's all that story, all that story there that we're going to hear more about and find out more about that is a connective tissue. We found out when Eva didn't leave uh, because she wanted to be away from her mom is because she wanted to start over because her mom in essence, was messing up her life. So it's a fascinating thing. I talk to women all the time about 
What happens to daughters when they become mothers and start treating their daughters like their own mother treated them? It's a fascinating thing. Is there an amnesia that happens as you transition when you have the child? It's, it's just so incredible and interesting to look at that where they forget what it's like to be a daughter and then start repeating the same patterns of their mother in treating their own daughters. And that pattern just repeats and repeats in life. It's, it's just an interesting, fascinating thing uh, to explore. So what did you think about all the stuff that was here in these small scenes uh, with Kamala, Nani, Muniba, and Kareem? Well, let me go back to the Department of Damage Control mm. first, um, because we don't, we don't know where that prison is. And, yeah, we don't. And no clue. Yeah. One, of, one of my kind of writing things that, that sticks with me is they, they escape. Yes. Um, you know. Rather they, easily. Yeah, yeah, a little easily, but that's yeah. fine. I mean, look, yeah. they, they got out. Right. The it's two scenes later, and suddenly they're busting through the roof of of uh, yeah. the layer of the red daggers. Now, to me, I'm like, that's kind of quick. Yeah, for for me, the way I would have done this, and I, you know, I imagine some 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 of our audience will be just like, if you think it's that easy, why don't you do it? Yeah, sure. Uh, <laughs> in my head, it, yeah. it's like you you start the episode with this scene. You start the episode oh. with them escaping. And that's your cold open. And then that's you get great. to Miss Marvel. All and, that time. And then, oh, that's great. And you forget about them. Yes. So when they when they right. bust back in, it's like, oh my gosh, they've been free yeah. this whole time. Like, I just think that provides you a little bit more, a little bit more uh, uh, narrative real estate. Yeah. Um, so that was the thing that kind of like, the, the scene itself, I had no issue with. Um, yeah, can I add I, something more to your point? I sure. think that would have been great as well, because then- the whole time you're having these scenes with her mom, with her grandmom, with uh, Karachi, with her cousins, all, there's this kind of sense of like, well, when are they going to show up? There's So it adds a little element of tension, even though you're enjoying the city, enjoying the mm -hmm. way she's So there's almost a little sense of like, oh, God, something's going to happen at any moment. So it keeps you kind of dialed in through the episode. That's a great point, Shane. Well, and truthfully, I think a lot of times the storytellers, you want the audience to forget about them. Yeah. So when they do show up, it's it's a genuine surprise. I mean, keeping people on the edge of the seat, that's that's great. Yeah. But if you're when you're able to surprise people, surprise an audience as well, that's 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 nice too. Um, the actual scene, you know, I had no issue with. Like, I don't they're they're very loosely defined, the clandestines. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know where they get their weapons. I don't know if they sort of produced them out of their body or if that guard happened to be carrying them. I just know it by the end when they when they escape they all had their they all had their weapons back. Yeah. Um so that was like okay that, eh, all right that's fine. <laughs> what whatever. <laughs> um the scene after that when she gets back uh to see uh Oh wait no oh yeah the the, the scene where the, she's out on the fire with the the fire pit and the singing. Yeah. Yeah, I mean I don't know what that got <laughs> us personally. <laughs> I think it's just giving us a little more of the culture of the connection sure. tissue with the younger people. Sure. And her eating out of the bag, a traditional Indian dish there, asking yeah. if it's too spicy. Trust me, I know that pain as a person who doesn't like, does not like spicy things as a Latino. Oh, yeah. I I've, seen, I've, kinda, yeah. So, I've seen you have that. I've seen you have that pain. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's the worst. But, I mean, yeah, yeah I just, like, I, I, I totally understood that, like, oh, she's starting to relate with people her age who are, who are from this culture. Mm -hmm. um, I just don't know ultimately what it got us. I mean, maybe at, at some point, at some point, Red Dagger's going to call her Sloth Baby. That's, that yeah. would be my, <laughs> that would be my guess. But when she comes back and has that great scene yeah. with, uh, with Sana out, yeah. uh, out on the balcony, um, Again, partition is something I'm still. After I finish watching a Miss Marvel episode, I'll I'll pull the Wikipedia up and read a little bit more, just because yeah. it's something that I'm not 
I'm not very aware of. Um, love, love the scene with her and Sana, and love the scene with Sana and Maniba. Yeah, that was just so that that mother daughter thing. Like it's just so it's just so nice to see, yeah. and you get. The, the whole idea is like, I didn't leave because of you. I left because of basically what you had done. <laughs> like right. you would kind of poison the well for me here. Like I couldn't exist here because I had the crazy mom with all these theories and it's setting up, I believe like this really great acceptance yeah. that Maniba has not just of her daughter um, being a superhero, but yeah. of her mother as well. Being like, oh my gosh, mom was right. Yeah. all these years so i thought that was I, I thought that was a really really beautiful scene and then kamala getting back and sharing of the toffee um yeah, yeah i thought that was so nice and you got that you got that moment between Man maniba and kamala where she's like you know mothers yeah and it's that connection that you know she probably wouldn't have gotten in new jersey because she's not you know she's not been exposed right to her mom that much so yeah i thought though i thought the family scenes are great yeah yeah i agree and you know there's almost setting up a triad here with sana muniba and mala and it may be her accessing their power in essence as family that is the key to her really kind of standing finally firmly as ms marvel by the end of this series we shall see. But I agree with you. I love the way they're setting this up. You see the pieces kind of moving into place, uh, almost like a chessboard there for the overall effect. And, and hopefully it's going to pay off in a way that, bo that both of us or all of us who, wa who are watching the show really enjoy. Um, all right, let's move on to the last section here of the episode. While he tells Kamala that, that it's her genetics that help her to shape the Nork. She's back there in the Red Dagger later, teaching her to use her powers. You know, I forget that we haven't had the montage. We've had the montage of her learning how to somewhat use her powers and certainly she saved that young kid uh, a couple episodes ago but we don't have her she's not fully she's, we haven't we haven't had that spider-man montage where okay now she's good to go you know she's still somewhat figuring it out and certainly in the fight with red dagger at the train station we see some moments of her using her power but powers but she's still kind of figuring out how not to get caught up in it you know uh but uh, we hear from waleed that her humanity links her to the matter of the world and that's what makes her abilities unique in essence she she's, seems to be developing or learning how to develop an armor around her body using her powers there he gives her a fabric to use for a costume so she always remembers where she comes from so i want to say one thing real quick and i meant to say it a few minutes ago i'm gonna lay this down now um all these actors that you're seeing other than of course for for shannon kareem the actor plays Kareem, um it's great it's great to remember as Americans, that there are great actors in other countries that you have no idea about. So this idea that you're winning a Best Actor Award for an American film, in essence, it does not mean you are the world champion of actors. There are plenty of actors in plenty of other countries that we rarely get a glimpse of or get exposure to who can go toe-to-toe -to -toe with whatever you see here in the States. And I think sometimes people forget that. And as I'm seeing the numbers come in for this series, I'm seeing some of the, some of the crap the series has taken, I think it's a shame that more people aren't watching it to appreciate great acting from other countries um, and, and their actors. Do you know what I'm saying? And so I just want to put that out on the table here because I think it's great to be able to see actors from other countries and enjoy their performances uh, and their, their styles of acting when they're taking on roles like this. And sure, it's not, it's not an Oscar winning role, but it 
there's a found there's a groundedness that they're adding to the series that I think is so essential uh, for the enjoyment of the series overall. Anyway, just wanted to get that off my chest. All right, just then, Shannon's worst moment of the series, the clandestine command, uh, using that Game of Thrones ability to travel quickly <laughs> in one location to another, uh, and apparently found the layer of the Red Dagger somehow, uh, and maybe it has to do with a bangle, maybe they have a connective tissue. That was uh, kind of my guess, is that yeah. they could sense it. Yeah, they didn't explain that, but maybe that's what it is. Anyway, they fight uh, down there uh, before heading off into a car chase scene. Waleed eventually gets the best of all the clandestine and then jumps through a window and leads them out the door. So it's a uh, uh, Kamal, it's a uh, yeah, Kamala, uh, Kareem, and uh, Waleed there jumping out. They separate. Uh, Waleed goes the other direction. Oh, no, they get onto sorry, they get onto the car there. They're riding. They eventually, uh, then the, the clandestine grab a truck and then g- grab another one of those carts uh, or those uh, cars and they separate out eventually where Waleed h- heads back stays there to try to distract the other clandestine um kamala and kareem take off on the motorcycle that doesn't last for too long but what's weird to me is and we see this these moments where she uses her powers to protect the family and we see these moments where uh, she uses her powers there to kind of get them but she doesn't really use her powers a lot here in the sequence and i was kind of surprised by that shannon i want to get your thoughts as we go after i finished saying everything I was really surprised they didn't have her use her powers in this whole sequence with the car chase and the truck chase scenes. Kind of weird. Anyway, Kamala steals a truck and hits one of the clandestine, uh, reunites uh, with Kareem, and they run through the alleys. Um, Waleed is jumping through uh, the alleys as well and jumping on the buildings here, trying to escape from Najma. Uh, eventually, she, she, uh, uh, Waleed sees that uh, Kareem and uh, Kamala are being chased by one of the clandestine who's just about to grab them. Uh, he throws his two knives that are protective knives for himself, kills that clandestine, and in, in exchange, Najma takes the opportunity and kills, stabs him from behind as a villain would in front of Kamala Grimm. He falls there on the ground, a la Martin Sheen from The Departed there. They, uh, they don't have time to wallow <laughs> in the sadness. They run into a dead end, and now all of a sudden she can use her powers with the red dagger against the clandestine. Adam dies um in one in one of the sequences there uh due to um uh, uh the red dagger and kajma in anger turns towards uh kamala and stabs uh the bengal with her weapon which sends kamala kamala back to partition and we see people separating she walks around sees the family we see families talking uh, two brothers saying you got to get on the train a mother and her child trying hoping that they get onto the train because it's the last train leaving out and Kamala kind of grasps the situation, steps up onto a train, and we get this beautiful and unsettlingly powerful shot as we, that we mentioned earlier in this review when the camera pulls back and we see the hundreds and possibly thousands, and from what I think I understand, millions of people that were affected by partition, and we're seeing them all there on the train tracks uh, with these trains and people separating out. And it is absolute and utter overwhelming madness and the episode ends on that note, which I think is so great. Uh, so, Shannon, let's talk about the action sequences, talk about the clandestine coming in here as well, and the reveal from Waleed that it's her genetics, which is something that uh, um, Sana said earlier, her grandmother said earlier, uh, and that it's her humanity that links her to the matter of the world. What do you think of all of this here to end the uh, episode? Yeah, I mean, I think that, yeah, I think the explanation, the reason that she can do this with yeah. this bangle is because she is, she's part human, she's part clandestine or, or, or whatever, whatever right. they are from the Nor, from the Nor world. Right. That's the reason that she 
is able to access this power from the bangle. I think that's yeah. a that's a great simple explanation. Um, we don't, and we don't need to know any more than that. Like that's right. it. That's why she can do it. Right. Um, the the fight itself. Um, I think this this does sort of expose the budgetary limitations that series yeah. can have yeah. because the brief glimpses we did get of uh, Walid kind of kicking ass, which yeah. was awesome. Yeah, it was. Um, awesome. It's you know it, the the room fills with with a mist or a smoke, so that sort of obscures our view a little bit. It's very quick shots, not a whole lot of wide shots, yeah. um, because those types of sequences they take time and money. Yeah. And sometimes when you're working on a series, you don't you don't have enough of both. So, you you know, this is this is the workaround yeah. um, in terms of the logic of the fight. I don't understand why he says, get her out of here. Yeah. And then Red Dagger and Kamala go onto the other side and wait. Yeah. <laughs> like, like, I don't like run. Um, but then watching Waleed kind of break through that glass again, he was he was such a great character. Like, yeah. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed uh, Farhan Akhtar's uh, performance here. I love a good unconventional chase, like watching him <laughs> race through Karachi on that kind of like, almost like a scooter taxi. Yeah. Um, that that was a lot of fun. When they get separated, again, it's such a heroic moment for Walid where yeah. he kind of like sets the sets the the motorcycle part free, and he and he is doing his sort of you know jump to jump using his daggers as you know yeah. being able to scale a building. That's all awesome. Watching Kamala use her powers to save that family. Yeah. I think that's the thing. Like right now, her powers seem to be very instinctual. Yeah. And not necessarily um, for offense. I mean, most of her powers, it's like she doesn't attack anybody. It's always a response to yeah. someone needing help. And so I think that's, I think that's probably the writing justification is how come she didn't just take them out with her nor powers that's that's kind of my guess um you know and because she is still learning to use it she's and, and there you know there's well, a lot of people around mike oh well maybe that's what it is because i mean she used the fist on the train station against red dagger so why can't she use the fist to stop the truck that's coming after them uh and, and especially when the truck slams into them and is pushing them towards that family motor why isn't she using the fist to kind of push down and I, I just thought it was a bad look to have the two men be having to save her. Do you know what I'm saying? And I, this is supposed to be an empowering moment. And, you know, look, you can come after me. Maybe I'm looking too deep into it. And I get it if some of you commenters want to say that. But to me, it's odd that she wouldn't instinctually, as you said, instinctually use her powers to save her life, save Wally's life, save Kareem's life in those moments and smash the truck or smash things. Maybe you're right. Maybe we're supposed to understand that if she does that because she's not too in control of it, some people will die. Some people will get hurt. And maybe she's not ready to make that sacrifice in her mind yet. Well, and that's an easy writing fix. I mean, that's yeah. one line from Walid saying, you have to be careful with right, this right. because this can really hurt some, this, this could really hurt someone. Yeah. Cause Kareem um, says do something. And she's like, I can't do you do something. I can't do it. So yeah, maybe that would have been something there with Walid saying, no, don't because you could injure so many people if you're not in control of it, blah, blah, blah. It's a great point. Shannon. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and that's, that's one of those easy easy one line fixes yeah. um but and i didn't get the sense that it was the guys protecting her i got the yeah. sense it was walid protecting the both the the elder protecting the kids Fair enough. that's what it seemed like that's what it seemed like to me um the uh, moment where she uh takes out the one clandestine with the truck yeah and then she that and kareem immediately get out of the truck and run that yeah. again that's that's a that's a choice that doesn't make a lot of sense to me i'm like you're in a vehicle 
Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> why? And then why are you running uh, across the alley where they're coming from? It seems odd. Why not run away from the alley? Why run towards uh, the alley? You got to cross that. It just seemed odd. Yeah. Yeah. I don't like, again, I love, to the, a dead I, end. Love, I love the concept of the chase. I, I didn't yeah. love all of the execution because yeah, you imagine Kareem would know the area to not lead them into a dead end. Right. Well, there's that. And there's also the fact that they've left a running car. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> yeah, a running truck. Like, and you can, and again, easy fix. Truck dies. Ah, yeah. we got to run. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then getting into, as they're running from the one clandestine and Walid has to make that, has to make that choice. Am I going to save myself or am I going to save these kids? Right, right. Great moment watching Najma take him out. Um, and then when I think, yeah, I think it's when Kareem takes whatever that canister was and throws yeah. it in to the to that, you know, barrel of water, I guess. Yeah. And it says it's flammable, but it's just basically a big explosion of water. And you see Najma kind of have her, you know, villain, ah, you know, her con moment, um, which there was a weird hard cut from that. that I was yeah. like, OK, I feel like you got they probably didn't get everything they needed. And so this is what they were able to kind of put together, yeah. Yeah. which, which again, film schedules, TV, TV schedules, that yeah. happens. Yeah. Um, watching the fight, <laughs> it was funny when you said like, you know, uh, uh, they stabbed, uh, Kar- or, uh, stabbed Walid from behind, yeah. but then Kareem does the exact same thing to Adam, <laughs> to Adam in yeah. the next sequence. <laughs> I was well, like, well, you know, <laughs> he, he's, he's a street fighter, man. You got to yeah. survive. And also he's um, a villain. So, you know, stabbing the villain in the back, I don't think is a bad thing. Stabbing the hero <laughs> in the back is the bad thing. So I'm just going to that. <laughs> That's my line. Um, I understand. Yeah. <laughs> but then that moment where Najma stabs the bangle and like, we don't, actually know what's what what has happened right, right. now like exactly. is this sort of she's accessing memories right. or has she been physically transported to the past because if the bangle can get the clandestines home right who's to say it can't make you travel through time i mean but all that aside yeah. what a well done sequence yeah. like just the confusion yeah. not just of kamala but of but of everyone trying to get on this last train yeah. and it's just again as you said it was just so it was so well done and again because i watched the show with the uh with the subtitles on yeah. there's all these little snippets yep. that you get that oh can make me emotional <laughs> um, all these little snippets of scenes that we don't necessarily hear but they put those in the subtitles for a reason. Like, yep. You, yep. like it's fathers trying, sick fathers trying to give their sons money. Yeah. Because they can't make that. They can't. They won't make that trip. You know, the daughter asking the mom, "Are we going to fit?" Like, right. oh my gosh, it was just the so well saying, done. And then the as she you have to figure this out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then as she climbs onto the train, and as you said, pulls back into that shot, into this, you know, this tapestry of just chaos. Yeah. I mean, just such as much as i didn't like some of the action yeah um this this sequence as a whole just really really resonated really hit me hard and has me again for not loving every aspect of the episode has me so looking forward to the next chapter yeah which is their job which is exactly their job so they completed their job in this episode i agree with you yeah not everything really worked in this episode as smooth as uh, seamlessly as i would have liked it to work 
But the overall effect at the end there, because of the family scenes, because of the conversations about the past, and because of the actors you've cast in majority of the roles here to kind of give you the information, that moment was able to really affect you emotionally as you just kind of uh, gave us a window into. Absolutely. You know, and it reminds me of a number of sequences we've, we've seen in real life and, and before, you know, that you've heard the stories of people like in Vietnam, getting on that last helicopter out of there before everything that happened. We've heard about the wall when the wall was being put up there way back when, when the, uh, when the uh, USSR took over some of these split East split Germany in half, you know, people trying to run across and get across before the wall gets put up. You know, you see that in, an, there's a, the hist history is filled with moments like partition uh, in separate countries um, that are just devastating moments uh, and sadly truthful moments uh, that happened to large numbers of people as certain governments took control and put enacted certain things, building walls, mm, uh, putting up walls in between people, like those kinds of things. We've seen that, you know, so it's a fascinating um, uh, sequence and then moment to end on that gets us uh, even more curious to see what's coming in the next two episodes for sure. And then, once again, they, now they've climbed up onto the tightrope. You know, I said this about Falcon and Winter Soldier. As soon as you open the door to these really um, intense, um, complicated issues um, like systemic racism in Falcon and Winter Soldier, you've got to really go across that tightrope correctly and get to the other side in, in a great way. And they didn't do that, in my opinion, Falcon Winter Soldier. Partition now, we as an audience have experienced at least a little bit of it in that sequence. So there's now a debt the creators and the directors and the writers of the show and the editors have over these next two episodes to um, live up to that moment and validate that moment because now we're invested. And I'm, I'm very curious to see how they play that out. If they take the simple route out, or if they really do something with these next two episodes that lays a little bit more of the deeper foundation or, or attacks it in a deeper way that really resonates us with, with us a little more powerfully by the time the series is over and gets us excited to see her appearance um, into, the Mar into the Marvels and also gets us to understand her cultural significance, you know, which like we did with, um, with uh, Black Panther, you know, and Shang-Chi. So there's, sorry, <clears throat> there's, so there's power there. So. Uh, maybe I've said too much. I don't know. I'm just talking. And, and this, <laughs> this is what I'm feeling there. So, uh, all right. And Shannon, any, uh, that's the end of the episode. So any final words, anything we missed, anything you want to kind of make sure we highlight before we wrap up here? No, I'm just super excited to get to the next. Uh, I'm super excited to find out what happened with Aisha after she left the other clandestines with the bangle. Yeah. Yeah. Very curious to see what, what we're going to get for that as well. And we'll knock you and come on and make up. I mean, there's a lot of questions in the air, man. <laughs> Are they going to make up? And what's the deal? So I imagine we're going to head back to New Jersey in the next episode. Uh, probably start out still in Karachi, Pakistan, then head to New Jersey. And maybe we'll get the mystery of the train as well. What is the mystery of the train? What is significance? What were the stars that led her to where they led her to? Uh, and is the red, red dagger, is that society really on her side or not? We're going to find out. I suppose as things go along. So, uh, all right, well, there you go. And a shout out to the music. I thought the music worked really well in this episode as well. So just a little kind of side shot to the music there. Uh, well, thank you all so much for watching this review episode, the spoiler review episode for, of uh, the Geek Buddies for episode four of Ms. Marvel. You know, we're not two Pakistani people. We're not two women, but we're giving you our thoughts in our, as analysts and lovers of Marvel and two people who are enjoying the hell out of this show for sure. Uh, Shannon, what do we have to tell them? 
Yeah, I'd like to follow us on social media. On Twitter, it's at geek underscore buddies. On Instagram, at the underscore geek underscore buddies. If you'd like to follow me on social media, on Twitter, it's at Shannon underscore McClung. On Instagram, at Shannon the Geek Buddy. If you would like to follow the absent Michael Vogel, it is at <laughs> MK Tune. If you would like to follow the very present hey. John Roca, it is at The Roca Says. Present and long-winded. Uh, you can also, <laughs> uh, please, if you don't mind, subscribing to the channel down below. Hit that subscribe button. Hit that bell button so you can enjoy even more of the other content and the Geek Buddies content. That is here and upcoming on the Outlaw Nation channel. Hit a like on this video and leave a comment. We'd love to hear what you all think about our reviews. I read all those comments. I don't always respond to them, but I'd like to hear your points of views. And I think our fans, our viewers, have some of the most astute observations on these shows. And it's been a joy to read their comments and kind of see their points of views on certain big moments uh, in shows like this. So please leave your comment down below. Uh, for sure. Try not to leave a 20 paragraph comment, but leave a comment down below for sure. Uh, and remember to share this on your social media, put that hashtag geek buddies on it. We would appreciate that as well. Don't forget where everything we do on the outlaw nation channel has its own podcast feed, but the geek buddies have their own podcast feed. So go and subscribe to our podcast feed, the geek buddies. So you can listen to all the stuff we do. Take us with you. If you don't want to see our pretty faces, just take us with you and uh, we'll be good and leave a review and leave us uh, ratings on that as well. All right. That's it from us. And big, big shout out to carbon health for powering and sponsoring us here on the geek buddies. Make sure to go, go to carbonhealth.com. See if they've got a clinic uh, near you. They also offer virtual care. Any of your healthcare questions, concerns, or needs are addressed there at carbonhealth.com. They even have an app that you can download so you can have a doc in your pocket for anything that comes up when you're on the go. And certainly things do happen when you're on the go. they got 125-plus locations all over the country, 50-plus locations alone in California. So they got you taken care of if you reach out to them at CarbonHealth.com. All right, thanks so much for joining us. And we'll see you next time with another brand-new spoiler review episode of one of the episodes of Captain Marvel. here from The Geek <laughs> Buddies! <gasps> Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.